0: Our God, thank you for your splendor and your majesty and your power Mm -hmm. and your love. We don't always understand our world and the struggles that we sometimes face, but never are we Mm -hmm. apart from you and from your love. Lord, show us yourself. Let us trust you in your work. Let us long to be more and more like you. So God, then we may see your world and care for it in the same way that you do and want to be your servants in our world, which need your presence in us there. So this morning as we gather for worship, would you show us ourselves not only as we are now, but as we might become, as we walk with you and come to know you better, love you more, serve you with more passion. And God, as we sing, as we open your word, as you speak to us, may we hear and may we say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Use me. Thank you for our school. Thank you for our students, our teachers, coaches, administration. And Lord, as they go back to school this week, I pray that you'll prepare the way that you will bind COVID so that it would not be a problem. And Lord, that the school may be able to love, teach, serve as it was meant to do. Would you bless students, faculty, all as they participate in that. And Lord, let us trust you. Thank you for our pastor search committee. And God, as we've already prayed, we lift them to you and ask you to show them the way. And Father, we're your children. There's none that loves us like you do. You've called us Elected us, as it were, to be your very own. It is our great desire that you help us live like it, not only in the walls of the church at worship, but in the walls of your world with the church scattered, but making a difference. We ask it in the name of Christ our Lord, that name that is above every name, his name. Amen.
1: And if you're if you have a kid from pre K to fourth grade, I think, is that right? Um, you can go to kids' church now, kids.
0: I invite your attention to the Word of God to the little book of First Peter. and this morning we're going to look at the first two verses of First Peter. This is indeed the Word of God. Hear it. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure as i wrote to you this week in the pastor's column in the newsletter charles swindoll in his book on first peter opens with these words hope is a wonderful gift from god a source of strength and courage in the face of life's hardest trials. When we are trapped in a tunnel of misery, hope points us to the light at the end. When we are overworked and exhausted, hope gives us fresh energy. When we are discouraged, hope lifts our spirits When we are tempted to quit, hope keeps us going. When we lose our way and confusion blurs the destination, hope dulls the edge of panic. When we struggle with a crippling disease or a lingering illness, hope helps us persevere beyond the pain. When we fear the worst, hope brings a reminder that God is still in control. When we must endure the consequences of bad decisions, hope fuels our recovery. When we find ourselves unemployed, hope tells us that we do have a future. When we are forced to sit back and wait, Hope gives us the presence to trust. When we feel rejected and abandoned, hope reminds us that we're not alone. We'll make it. When we say our final farewell to someone we love, hope in the life beyond gets us through our grief. Put simply, when life hurts and dreams fade, nothing helps like hope. What is hope? Well, Webster defines hope praise accompanied by expectation or belief in fulfillment, the desire with expectation of obtainenness. To respect with confidence. How vital is that expectation? Without it, prisoners of war languish and die. Without it, students get discouraged and drop out of school. Without it, athletic teams fall into a slump and continue to lose. Fledging, fledgling writers longing to be published run out of determination. Addicts return to their habits. Marriage partners decide to divorce. Inventors, artists, entertainers, entrepreneurs, even preachers lose their creativity. Hope isn't merely a nice option that helps us temporarily clear a hurdle. It's essential for our survival. About, I suppose, 16 years ago, Jesse Jackson was invited to preach, speak at a Democratic National Convention. They were meeting live then, remember those days? He's never been my favorite preacher, but I remember that night he said over and over again, keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. And that is true of us today. As we look at our situation and our world Our calling as the people of God, keep hope alive. Uh, That would be Peter's echo. The old fisherman knew about hopelessness. He also knew about hope. There had been times in his life when he could shout out, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. There were times when that bold fisherman would say, Lord, though I die, I will never forsake you. There was that awful moment when as he sat in the enemy's campfire, and it's always a bit dangerous when you're sitting in the enemy's campfire, when he denied his Lord something he said he would never do, and the cock crowed, and Peter realized he had done it, and he went out, and he wept bitterly. How could he face his friends? How could he face his fellow disciples? How could he face his Lord? Hope seemed dead. But there was another campfire out by the sea where the Lord had prepared breakfast after night, No fish caught, but at the word of the Lord came the fish, remember? And Peter, on the one hand, was so excited to see again his Lord, and on the other hand, dreading that moment of confrontation that he knew somehow must come. Jesus looked at him, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you think he very ask me that? Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I, I love you. Then feed my sheep. And that went on. And in the process of that, Peter was restored and hopelessness became hope. Hopeless. Filled. And in a few days at Pentecost, it was Peter who preached the bold message at Pentecost. And all his life again, never again did he deny the, the name of the Lord. And so he comes and he gives us these letters. And first Peter, if it's anything is a book of hope. I want you to hear it. I, I want you to know it. I, I want you to discover it for this very day in the life of a congregation and in the life of an individual believer. Keep hope alive. He writes to a group of Christians, Gentile Christians, scattered Christians, living in a difficult and confused world. And mind you, that world was no more difficult and confusing for them than you and mine may be for us in this very day when I live. This book is a book of hope. May we learn from it during this time. May we learn from it as we study together And may we become people of hope even in our kind of world. There are three words I want you to get today. First, there's the context and then the cause and then the consequences of hope that must be with us. The context in which hope is to come. If hope is to live, it must demonstrate itself in the context of my life and your life today. Hope, you see, doesn't live in a fantasy world. Hope doesn't do in a what-if kind of life. He begins the letter to those who reside as aliens scattered scattered where well basically in northern turkey you know it's not easy to be a believer in Jesus Christ in turkey today it has challenges all its own it particularly did in that first century world perhaps the backdrop of the writing of first peter is the Neronian persecution in Rome. Do you remember about Nero? It is said he set Rome on fire and blamed the Christians for it, and Christianity became not a recognized sect of the Jewish religion, but an illegal religion in the Roman Empire. These early believers in Turkey and Rome and other places were aliens scattered. They found life difficult 15 different times in these brief chapters of 1 Peter. Peter speaks of their suffering, their difficulty. It's interesting, in those 15 times he uses 8 different words to describe it. They were living in a difficult arena. They were aliens scattered. Whatever else that means, it means simply that they were not home yet. But isn't that the context of our lives today? My world is increasingly, increasingly counterposed to Christian faith. Read your newspaper. Watch network television. Comedies are the worst offenders. And holy things are laughed at and made fun of. And when you and I warm ourselves by the enemy's campfire, we expose ourselves to all of that. And so we read almost weekly right now, of a decreasing influence on our society in evangelical Christendom, we're aliens scattered. It's true morally, morally in our world today. How seldom is God's standard of purity lifted high? How seldom in our society is God's standard of the holiness, of marriage, protected and practiced. So strange can it be that that even in the church, we struggle with what ought to be right and wrong. We live in a foreign world mentally. You come to faith in Christ and you believe what the scripture says, but mentally you can be very afraid, very ashamed of your previous life. What do you do with that? We, we live in a strange world materialistically. And we get it confused. All of this seems so perfectly natural. Why? Because we're aliens scattered. We're not home yet. remember 42 years ago, Pat and I and another preacher or two led a tour to Israel and to Greece and to Egypt. We had 52 people on that tour. Had a very interesting guide in Greece. He didn't really care for Americans, I think. And some of our group talked about home too much. And I remember him looking at our group and saying, if you want everything to be like it is at home, why didn't you just stay there? Well, we're not home yet. If we're going to be people who keep hope alive, it's in this world of our being an alien, a stranger, a sojourner, serving God, but not home home yet that's the context of our lives now the cause of hope that lives if you have hope where will it come from well Peter puts it like this to those who reside as aliens scattered who are chosen who are chosen that's a wonderful word some of you are absolutely amazed that pat chose me see i told you but come wednesday friday excuse me it will be 50 years yeah yeah We're going to celebrate in a big way. I'm going tomorrow to see an orthopedic surgeon about a tear and a meniscus in my left knee. We know how to celebrate. But 50 years chosen. Remember, I've told you that we wanted to give ourselves a chance to have smart children, so we adopted. And when our son, Samuel, was a little tight, just learning to talk, he, he said to another kid in Sunday school, he said, your parents had to take whatever they got. Mine chose me. Well, we got home, and I said, son, you're, you're exactly right. We, we did choose you, but you can't tell the other kids in Sunday school that, that way. He said, well, Dad, I'm chosen. I said, yes, you are. Mark that down. What Peter says about you and me is that we are chosen by God. Now relax. God did not look at you and say, my goodness, he's good looking or my goodness, she's smart. I'm going to pick them. I'm going to choose them. God looked and chose his people Because he chose his people, elected them to be his very own, and to serve him. You find it throughout the pages of the Old Testament. God's election, God's choosing of Israel. But Israel rebelled against that. And God introduced Jesus into the world as his plan always had been in order that he might choose his very own people to serve him. He picked me. He picked you. We are his. In spite of everything else about you and me, we are chosen by God. According to his foreknowledge, we're told, the foreknowledge of God, God working through his people. Can you imagine... It is our hope today in a COVID-filled world, in a world where our universities often laugh at conservative Christianity. In that kind of world, God picked us. We are indeed his chosen people, and God is about God's purpose, and God's purpose will ultimately not be thwarted. He chose us by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit. Now, Notice how it develops the triune Godhead about which we just sung here. According to God's foreknowledge, He chose us in the power of His Holy Spirit. I would never have come to faith in Him without the leadership of His Holy Spirit in my life. Thank God He gave me godly parents. And thank God he taught me to listen to the power of the Holy Spirit. He is with us even now each day of our life. He's working through us right now. He is preparing us for service. He is using us right now. We're chosen by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit that you may obey Jesus Christ. And be sprinkled with his blood. That's an interesting experience for a modern American man, an interesting terminology. But it sort of reminds you of what we do when we receive the Lord's Supper. The blood, the grape juice, symbolizes a new covenant in his blood. The sprinkling of blood is mentioned three times in the pages of the Old Testament. First, it's mentioned when a leper was healed, a bird was to be killed and offered in sacrifice, and some of the blood sprinkled on the healed leper. The blood was sprinkled when Aaron became the priest, the calling of the Aaronic, priesthood, the blood sprinkled. The blood was sprinkled when God made his covenant with the people of Israel, a sacrifice made, and some of the blood sprinkled, as it were, upon the people because they'd been called into that unique covenant relationship with God. Notice how it works. This calling. This choosing that we have, God has done it and continues to do it in his foreknowledge. The Holy Spirit enables it and calls us to it and sets us apart in it. And God sprinkles his blood symbolic of our calling. It is who we are. COVID is not going to change that. A political system at war with itself is not going to change that. They're not going to be able to burn enough Bibles or tear down enough monuments in a Catholic church to change that. It is a calling and election of God. Now, what are the consequences of that? Look at it there at the very end of verse 2 may god may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure i i love the way peter says that he doesn't say may may you have enough grace to just barely make it through may may you have enough peace just to survive? No. In your kind of world, as an alien, a sojourner, a persecuted one, a a misunderstood one, a one who who often suffers for your faith, as you live in that kind of world, may God's grace and may God's peace be yours in. Full, full measure. What is that grace? Well, all my life they told me it is God's unmerited favor. It is God because God chooses to bestowing His grace upon you and me. It is by grace that we come to Him in faith. It is by grace that we receive His Son. It is by grace that we understand that we are forgiven of our past. No matter what we've done, the only sin that God cannot forgive is a sin you don't come and ask Him to forgive. It's by grace that we know that. And it's by grace that we begin to reflect the goodness of God in our lives. And slowly but surely, friend, by that grace, we begin to look more and more like Him. There comes a peace, and the Bible calls that peace the peace that passes all understanding. It's not the peace that says, all is okay, It's not the peace that says, oh, I hurt. There must be joy in that. It is the peace that comes in the very midst of life, sometimes in the very presence of war, sometimes in the very presence of pain, sometimes at the graveside, and sometimes in the hospital and sometimes when the test has been failed. But it is a peace of God that comes in full measure. And offers us in the very depths of life itself hope that is absolutely unexplainable. What do you get? What do you get when you come to Christ? Sometimes you get some trouble, sometimes you get some misunderstanding. Sometimes you get some persecution. But what you get is ultimately the unmerited favor of God. What you get is the privilege of looking at the God of creation and the God of recreation in Christ and realizing that he sent his son for you. And what you get is a realization that had you been the only person in the world, Christ would still have died for you. And what you get is a privilege of looking at the God of the universe and saying, My Father, my Daddy, Abba, Father. I I do not make little of the hurts and the pains in life. But I tell you, the scripture is dead on right when it reminds us that any pain in this world pales in insignificance with the unveiling of the children of God in glory. My home is not in the beautiful hill country. My temporary residence is there. My home. My eternal security is with the God of heaven. And I want to live in that hope. May grace and peace be yours in full measure. Now and forever. So, Father, help us be honest as we look around and experience what we may experience today and tomorrow and next week, maybe next year. But, O God, may we look beyond. To that which is forever, which cannot fade away, cannot be taken away, which is ours. And may we live like a people not home yet. And Father, as we pause for these few moments of worship, speak to our hearts. There's one of us here who has yet to know Jesus. I pray that when we sing, that one will come to say, Preacher, today, I'm going to give my heart to Christ. Lord, surely, surely we need the help and hope that's taught, preached, studied, worshipped in the church. There's one here who needs a church home. Maybe you call them to come today to say, I want to be part of this church. Father, we look to you with certainty in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. Now let's stand together. We're going to begin to sing. You know, the happiest moment of your life, the most beautiful thing you can do is invite Jesus to be your Lord. For some of us, it can occur very young. For some of us, it can occur very late. It makes no difference when. It's that you and I respond when He calls us because it's the work of the Spirit in our lives. That's you today. You have the joy of coming. Don't let anything stop you. If you need a church home, the doors of this church are open to you. Come. And while we sing, say to your Father, oh God, keep hope alive in me. Let's sing with joy and I'll meet you here at the front as you come.
1: He became sin Jesus Messiah Name above all names Blessed Redeemer Emmanuel The rescue for sin. The ransom from heaven Jesus Messiah And Lord of all His body the bread His blood the wine Broken and poured out all for love The whole drum And the veil was torn Love so amazing Love so amazing Jesus Messiah He's the name above all names Blessed Redeemer Emmanuel He's the rescue for sinners Ransom from hell Jesus, Messiah, Lord of all.
0: Thank you so much for being in the house of God today. As you go to school.